Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 185. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, you've been getting a deluge of bearish news, bad news, predictions. I'm going to come in today with some positive news. And the reason I'm going to bring this up is we are coming up on a midterm election. And there's some interesting historical data that says post-midterm elections, markets do well. In fact, there's some other data that says during midterm years, markets are kind of lousy compared to non-midterm years. And then the presidential cycle, uh, where this is year two of the presidential cycle. Next year will be year three. Uh, there's some good news there as well. And so kind of want to start with the idea of we're in a midterm year. And what is a midterm election? What does that mean? Okay. So let's, let's use the example of the most recent presidential election. That was in 2020 in November. And President Biden takes over January of 2021. So that's year one of his presidency. Year two is this year, 2022. Next year will be 23. The third year will be in 23. And the fourth year, the election year, will be in 24. And by the way, I don't know about all of you, but I'm already tired of seeing all the political commercials. Uh, Doesn't matter what party. Just enough already, enough with the mail and the postcards and the commercials and all this stuff. So at least we'll get a little bit of a respite until uh, it starts up again for the president. Anyway, so the midterms, what does that mean? Well, when there's a presidential election, so 2020, now 2022, we're having the midterm elections. So the midterm just simply means the elections that are in year two of the president's cycle. One, two, three, four, right? So this is year two. The year that a presidential election takes place, two years from now, will not be the midterms, all right? So I just wanted to clear that up. And the midterms are significant because all 435 seats in the House, the House of Representatives, are up for election. They are elected every two years. Uh, Here's a pro tip from me. If you're thinking about getting into politics, become a senator. You only have to run. You don't have to run every two years. It seems like the people in the House always are campaigning. The Senate is not up every two years. And there's sort of a staggeredness of, um, of when they are elected. And so this year, not all senators are up for re-election. Some are. And there's obviously 50 Senate seats, 435 seats in the House. And you've got one president and vice president. Currently, the construct is 50-50 in the Senate. And it's 50-50, but really, whoever the president's party in power, the vice president can break a tie. So it's really 51-50, to use a, a Van Halen album. Some of you will get that. Okay, so what does this mean for markets? Well, some good news here. And the good news is that, and this is from Capital Group, they put out two different charts. One chart is the market. So from January to December in midterm election years, and then you have the all other years. And I say it's good news because guess what? During midterm election years, markets tend to be bumpy. They tend to be flat, down a little bit. But what's interesting is post-election, so po- I forget what day election day is this year. It's like 
you know, second Tuesday of November. So it's probably the eighth, maybe, if I'm if I'm uh, remembering right. But markets go up after historically after the midterm elections. In all other years, markets are higher most of the year. And in fact, even if you look at year end to year end, markets do better in all of the years aside from midterm years. But there is this this choppiness uh, to down, and then you have this upswing after the election. Now, look, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I'm not making a prediction. I'm just telling you, here's some bullish, some positive news based upon historicals. I'd prefer everybody and longtime listeners know uh, of this program. I'm an advocate of buying, staying invested, but being hedged. That way, if markets go down, you have some protection to the downside, but you still participate. You're not trying to time things. But I think this is historically some good news. We'll see what happens this time. And then the other thing, uh, this is from U.S. Bank. They actually looked and they said, all right, since 1962, so this is the data they have, looking at the midterm for every president. So this is from JFK's first term to uh, Lyndon Johnson, and then all the way to Trump in 2018. So let's use Trump for a second. So he gets elected in 2016. First year is 2017. His second year in office is 2018. That's the midterm year. Year three would have been 2019. Year four, the election year is 2020. Okay. So the way they broke this down, and this is more positive news, is they said before the midterm, what's the S&P price performance? So not including dividends, if I'm reading this right in the, in the cliff notes. None of the cliff notes, the, uh, the notes below the chart. So 12 months, November 1st of the prior year to October 31st of the midterm year. And then they look three months post-election, six months post-election, and 12 months post-election. I know you're saying, wait a second, why are you using November 1st? It's what they use. And election day is different years, but close enough. What's interesting here is that the average price return of the S&P during midterm years, one year up to the election day, is only 0.3% positive. In non-midterm years, it's plus 10.7%. Okay. Well, we're having a – so far we're down this year, and I would say it's been choppy. And it's typically choppy. Uh, flat to down in midterm years. It's kind of interesting. And I'll, I'll explain some of the theories behind that, what I think. And then you look at three months post-election, midterm average, post three months post, plus 7.3 versus non-midterm average, plus 2.9%. Six months post, plus 15.1%. Not bad. Non-midterm average, plus 4.2%. And finally, a year post Uh, The midterm election, plus 16.3% historically. Non-midterm average, plus 6.4%. So this is good news, I think. This is kind of bullish. Again, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't make predictions. I just kind of buy and hedge. And by the way, if you want to understand what what I'm talking about, buy and hedge strategy, or if you just want to send me an email, tell tell me how much you like the, uh, uh, the podcast, or just have ideas for future episodes like this one, I've been getting some questions about what happens around midterms. Uh, shoot me an email at derek.moore at zegafinancial.com. That's D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E 
add Z is in zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple. Financials up to you to spell correctly. Okay. So typically what happens is whoever the president's party is, so if you're a Democrat or Republican, you tend to lose House seats in the midterm. And sometimes it's really large. Like in uh, 94, Bill Clinton lost 52 House seats, lost eight Senate seats. Uh, that's, that was kind of an interesting year from a, a political standpoint. Uh, Barack Obama's first term lost 63 cents, uh, 63, 63 seats. I hope I didn't say cents before. 63 seats in the House and six Senate seats. And what was significant about 94 and 2010 is it flipped from Democrat to Republican. What's also interesting is that during the second midterm election, so when a president has two terms or eight years, it's not as significant. Uh, Trump in 2018, a significant election, lost 40 House seats, and the House flipped from Democrat to Republican. He actually gained two Senate seats, which is interesting. So, and you can look at other years here. I mean, typically... There's only been two times going back to JFK and 62 in the midterm that presidents have gained House seats. And 1998, it was Clinton gained five, did not change the, the power, though. It was still in Republican hands. And George W. Bush, his is sort of interesting. And a lot of people point to this as an anomaly because he gained eight midterm seats in the in the house and that was 2002 which was after 911 uh so he had a lot of support in 2006 his second term he actually lost 30 seats and the house uh flipped from republican to democratic and the senate he lost 6 seats and that flipped from republican to democratic so he sort of got his his drawdown uh in the second midterm election, not the first. There's a lot of theories about this. Uh, one is that when you have uh, presidents who also have the Senate and the House, like we do right now, and I know it's 50-50 in the Senate, but uh, the vice president can, can make it 51-50. So they really own all three. One theory is that in the midterms, if you can get congested or gridlock government, that's positive. And that's probably a, a good thing. Uh, a lot of times government thinks they're doing something to help and they might do more harm than good. Or they create some uncertainty for businesses and for, for uh, you know, citizens across the, across the country, um, trying to do tax planning, trying to figure out right, rules and regulations. So that's definitely the case. I mean, if, if you get gridlock government, can't really pass a lot of bills or at least ones that are significant. You can still have executive orders where presidents just sign something, uh, you know, change things through executive order through the stroke of the pen. That's been more of a more recent phenomenon, uh, probably over the last 10, 15, 20 years. But that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I buy that as well. But I also, one of the uh, 
people on our investment committee at Zega pointed out that, you know, markets don't like uncertainty. And maybe that's why leading up to the midterms, a little more uncertain after the midterms, you have the certainty and then sort of markets can, can do what they do. And that makes sense. I think there's a lot of validity to that. And part of it is, think about if you're an analyst and you're covering a company and you're not sure what the tax policy is, what the rules and regulations are going to be. Once you have the certainty of things are expected not to get done or get done, you can start to adjust the forecast and that uncertainty comes out. I mean, generally markets don't like uncertainty. So I think there's a lot of uh, valid points there. Um, it's interesting, though, when I show you in a little bit, uh, going back historically, it doesn't matter from a market perspective what necessarily the, uh, you know, the, the markets or what the party is that's in power. All right. The other thing that's really, and this is some good news, and I'll go through this with you, and that's this presidential cycle idea. What's that? Well, the presidential cycle I mentioned before, presidents serve for four years, and you've got the post-election, that's year one, the midterm year, that's year two, the pre-election year, that's year three, and then election year, that's year four. And this is Lee Bull from Schwab had put out, uh, the data's a little bit older than that, but I think it's still pretty good to look at, 1933 to 2015, the election cycle year by year, average percent return for the Dow Jones and the percent of times that the markets are up during those years. Year three, and here's some good news, year three in a president's uh, cycle term is the best year. 90.5% of the time, markets are up. 90.5% of the time, that's pretty good compared to just under 50%, you know, 47.6 year one, 61.9 year two, 70% year four. And on average, uh, this is again, the Dow Jones, um, plus 16.2% is the average up. That's better than 5.6 year one, 7% year two, 4.9% year four. This is the Dow Jones, not the S&P. So a little bit different, but so I thought this was good news, and we are entering year three of the presidential cycle. Not bad. Again, I don't know what's going to happen. That's why you buy, you hedge, stay invested. And But to me, we're seeing a lot of bearish news right now. Now, of course, all the stuff I looked at, whether it's the midterm, average returns, pre and post, uh, or this presidential cycle data, it's historical. And this hasn't been sifted out to say, well, what about years when the Fed was raising rates or lowering rates? What about the growth rate in corporate earnings versus other growth rates? None of that is in there. All it does is it looks at, okay, historically in midterm versus non-midterms and in presidential cycles by year, what do you get? Well, here's the other thing I'll just point out. I've done some work on this and I went back to Let's see, when did I go back? 1923, all the way back to Calvin Coolidge as president. Why did I only go back to 23? I, I think the data starts to get a little bit tougher to, to grab before then. Uh, wasn't always Republicans and Democrats. There were other parties. There were the Whigs. I was going to say, you remember the Whigs. Nobody remembers, nobody alive today remembers the Whigs, but there were. You had the Civil War, all that sorts of stuff. So 
took a look and I said, all right, so 1923 through, let's see, 2021, so I included last year, nothing on 22 yet, it's not finished. And I said, what is, what's the difference when we have, let's say, triple R's, all Republicans, President, Senate, House, triple D's, President, uh, Senate, and House. And Republicans, the average annual return happened 15 out of 99 times, 99 years. I looked back 99 years. And the average return was about 15.9% positive. Awesome. I'll take that. Happened 15.2% of the time. What about all Democrats? You think, oh, that, what's that going to be like? Right, it's good. 14.4%. Happened 35 times. 35.4% of the time in the last 99 years. And, you know, that's, that's the most common uh, construct to have triple Ds. And part of the reason is from 1933 all the way through 1946, Democrats had all three branches uh, and they also had some pretty big majorities during those times. And really, there were two years, 47 and uh, 48. You had a Democratic president in Truman, a Republican House and Senate. And then it flipped back from 49 to uh, 52. So, you know, it's, it's just the point is that that was really for a long time. But then you say, OK, well, what, what about some of the others? Interestingly enough, we've in the well, I shouldn't say we never, but we never we haven't had since 1923 a Democratic president, Republican Senate, and Democratic House. Happened zero times. So I thought that was interesting. But really, um, some of these didn't happen very much. Uh, George W. Bush, and guess what years? 2001, 2002, 9-11, uh, during a recession. It's down, you know, 16.9%, but it only happened two years out of 99. Not happened a lot. But then you look at some of the others and Republican president, Republican Senate, Democratic House, uh, plus 8.3%. And I won't go through all these, but, you know, Democrat in, as president, Republican Senate, Republican House, about 15.7%. So it doesn't seem to matter that much. And I always say with some of this stuff, if I was a president, I would want to take over right at the bottom of a recession. So I get all that upswing. And, you know, George W. Bush takes over in 2001. You have 9-11, you have 2002. We were already in a bear market in 2001. 9-11 hits 2002. And George W. Bush also, also, by the way, was in office, uh, you know, during 2008, minus 36 point, you know, call it 37% down. So he had some unlucky uh, time there. And then if you look at, you know, for example, Obama takes over 2009 after the, you know, the eight years, uh, George W. Bush, where he had really three recessions, three recessions, two recessions, but one long one, one really bad one. Anyway, so the good news there is that it doesn't really seem to matter that much. So is this year any different? And I'll let you know when, when we have the data. But I would say that in all the bad news that you're hearing, this seems to, to be some good news. I mentioned the 1994 election. That was one 
which saw a massive shift from Democrats to Republicans, and just the magnitude of the, the change in the House and the change in the Senate. What's also interesting about that election, and what I'm more interested, is 94 was uh, the markets were up 1.2% average you know, total return that year. And the Fed raised 300 basis points, uh, essentially from, you know, during 94 and then early into uh, 05. Earnings were up over 30% year over year and the markets went nowhere. And it was that next year that markets started to rally. In fact, they kept rallying up until 99. And it's it's one of the things that's interesting. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Fed and with interest rates, uh, Fed funds futures, still implied uh, Fed rate to get to around 3.9%. What are we, 2, 2, 3, 2, 4 on the effective Fed funds. Uh, obviously, the Fed funds is set in a in a window. So the market's predicting another you know, 150 basis points or so of, of tightening by the Fed. Look, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I wanted to give you some, some historical data, knowing that we don't know what's going to happen in the future and you should be hedged. But I think this is some interesting news and it's going to be some interesting things to watch. So we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. As always, uh, please send emails, send uh, notes, send suggestions for future shows and stuff you want to see. And uh, hopefully this was helpful. I'll put all this stuff into the show notes and you can take a look at it. <laughs>